Welcome to episode 97 of Forging the Journey, where we discuss the joys and struggles of our entrepreneurial journey. I'm Greg Davis. I'm Jared Dobb. And you're just about ready to take a drink. I was just about to sip from my rain energy drink, not sponsored. And how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a, one of those weeks where I feel like I made a lot of headway, but my days have just imploded. I kind of talked to you a little bit, and we can dive into a little bit more then as we get into the podcast. But the last couple weeks, and, and like we talked about, I think it was on the last podcast, I've been really structuring out my time so I can knock out some of these uh, very pressing you know, product development things that we're working on, new products, testing, um, refining some stuff. So I, I feel like I've got a lot done in the last couple couple days and last week. Um, so yes, I, I feel good. Um, I'm energized this morning. I did lock myself out of my office one time already today. Yeah, you're late to the podcast. I was <laughs> like, hey, uh, hey, Greg, uh, I locked myself out of my office again. <laughs> so how's the are you still doing the hour by hour i was up until yesterday when i lost my little notebook um, oh, which i did find it was in ethan's truck so we're, we're back at it um, i did not because i because i lost it i did not use my little notebook to kind of schedule out today but i knew we had the podcast and i know what today looks like i'm spending a lot of time on some r&d for some new not, not even really R&D. It's more or less just refining some aspects of a product that is soon to come. And so Ethan and I essentially are going to be hacking apart products and welding things to them and making tweaks. But the hour by hour thing, I still highly recommend it. It has yeah. definitely allowed me to be more focused I've given myself some days where I have the flexibility where I don't go hour by hour, where I just block out three or four hours and say, look, I'm going to do this one thing. But if I have a day where there's tons of tasks, I would rather still to this point after about a month or so doing this um, or a little longer, I don't even remember, but I would still rather commit to time blocks and not necessarily finish everything, but move everything forward. Um, then previously where I'd sit there frozen and be like, what do I do? And yeah, yeah I, any small progress is better than no progress. So it's been helping me out for sure. I still have yet to do it. <laughs> I've talked to everybody here. I've talked to my wife. I've talked to Nate, Dusty. I've talked to everybody about, hey, I'm going to do this hour by hour thing. And I'm going <laughs> to schedule this and that. And then I just come in the next day and just dive right into wherever I left off the day before. And it's just before I know it, <clears throat> it's time to go home. And yeah, it's still something I, I just needed to sit down. I need to take the 10 minutes to sit down and block off eight squares on a piece of paper and just write out what I'm going to do in those. And, and I do like, I do like what you said about, you know, giving yourself the flexibility to, you know, whether it's a day where you don't do that, um, I think even if I started with the second half of the day of blocking off, um, because I need like one thing I've, I've been kind of, you know, like over the last week or so, I think we've talked about that maybe two weeks. Um, I've been kind of just noticing what happens throughout the day and 
and, and part of it is like I need to be available to my employees. I need to be available to Corey to come in. We're working on prototype stuff together. I need to, or just he has something he needs to go over. I need to be available for him to do that because I don't want him. I don't want to hinder our product development. I don't want to hinder, like I don't want to put him at a stopping point of any sort. Um, you know, same thing with Nate. You know, him and I are working on on some shop, you know, shop updates, stuff like that. Just I want to be able to, you know, like I've got I've got people that I'm working with on different that I'm kind of managing, doing different projects. Um, you know, so maybe, you know, can I schedule that stuff into a day? I don't know because some sometimes that stuff just comes up and you, and you got to handle it. But um, so I've just been kind of I haven't not okay I've not done the hour by hour thing, but I have been much more conscious about what happens hour to hour throughout the day and then trying to figure out how am I going to be able to schedule this stuff. Um, in the end, I really just need to block off the time and just schedule it and go for it. So, yeah. And I don't know that, I don't know. I guess it comes back to everybody has their own style. <clears throat> I think there's value in, no matter what personality type or how you work in having some sort of structure and game plan. But I'm also not foolish enough to think that if I write down on a piece of paper that eight to nine o'clock is this one task that I couldn't possibly get an important phone call or something that, you know, throws everything for a loop. Um, but I think that's where for me, the hour by hour thing just simply gives me a roadmap and then when more important things show up, so, so like, let me put it this way. So on the left side of my, it's this tiny little notebook. It fits in my back pocket. That's what I've been using. So I, I map out the nine, 10 hours, whatever I'm at the shop on the left side. And then on the right side of the notebook, the right page, I write down the tasks that I would love to get to, but they're not necessarily on the schedule. And then under that, I've been writing the very important tasks that are absolutely most important that if if i need to forsake the entire schedule these are the tasks that possibly may come up that need to forsake the entire schedule so i guess to me it's just a roadmap it's simply saying you know stay on track don't get sucked into the swipe up social media game you know which i really don't i don't consume much social media but um you know how it is. Sometimes you can get on there and get sucked in. It's almost like they try to make it a drug. But yeah, I don't know. It's just a, a little roadmap for me. And it's been working out. I, I think there's value in at least anyone listening, just experimenting. You know, it may not, maybe what I'm doing is not the best for everybody, but. Sure. But it's something. It's, it's somewhere something. to start. Yeah. It's just, <clears throat> I, I got to the point where I'm, yeah, you know, this is kind of how my life goes. I get to the point where I'm fed up with how I've been handling a certain thing. And I'm like, look, I'm frustrated. It's not working. I'm not feeling fulfilled at the end of the day. And then I make a change. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people that probably are the same way. And you sometimes that stress and strain is what kind of nudges us to make a change. But I don't know. I could, I could be in a totally different place a year from now. And again, it depends like who's underneath you. How many people do you have on your team that rely on you? You know, a good example is I walk down and, and look at Ethan's world as he's running the shop and 
working with the guys down there, it's, it's way more volatile, you know, looking at what he's doing. Cause at any moment, one of those guys will walk through the door and say, I've got a question about this thing. I've got this work order for this many parts, but there looks like there's an issue. There's my jig for this piece of product that I'm manufacturing broke. What do you want me to do about it? You know, I have extra space on the sheet. What do you want me to do about it? So like, depending on where you're at, the hour by hour thing may truly just be kind of a guide and you might have to be more flexible. Whereas me, I just have really me and a couple other people working remotely. So typically, you know, if one of our guys in sales needs something from me, it's kind of a text message and I can respond and be like, okay, I'll get to that right away. Or give me a couple minutes or give me an hour or two. I'll be on it. Um, it's not quite as pressing. So I don't expect this to work for everybody, but I still don't think that that's a good excuse to not come up with a way to be, you know, for anybody listening, I I think don't make excuses to not try to be more structured. Um, But it's going to vary depending on where you're at for sure. But uh, you guys just, or do you have any other updates from your end? your end of the world. Um, I know you guys were just traveling too. Yeah. So <clears throat> me and Dusty left Thursday afternoon, went up to Illinois to train with Donovan and point one tactics. Um, he did, he, he does like a Ohio appreciation day, <clears throat> which I think is kind of, he's done it for a few years, kind of response to, um, uh, he used to go down to impact training center, which is down near Cincinnati. Like there was one year he was down there a ton doing classes and we'd go down there for a handful of those classes. So I think, I think he wanted to bring us up to his, his home range and, and um, it's kind of saying thank you for meeting him down there at the Cincinnati range. So um, I think this year was maybe a little bit more of a response from ORD because he was one of the instructors at ORD. So yeah, we went up. Uh, the plan was to shoot, sporting clays at Northbrook, which is one of the, one of the most well-known sporting clays courses in the, in the world really. And we were going to be 20 minutes away from it. So I, I kind of worked a couple inside tracks and got us into this club and uh, ended up bailing out of that because it was like minus 21 Friday morning when we were supposed to go there. So we politely declined the, uh, the invite that day and said that we would gladly go back another day. And he said that we're more welcome to do that. So we basically had, we had Friday wide open. So, um, I didn't even think about this, but there's like, I could go on for a while about this about our visit with um so donovan works his day job he's not he's not a full-time instructor um he works at a had a company called apt it's just abt <laughs> it's called yeah and um i was you're familiar with apt i talked to donovan before you know go into it for sure because it's a pretty crazy company it is unbelievable <laughs> so donovan works there um we were there for like half a day. I still don't know what Donovan does there, which is which kind of a running joke. Like all of us don't really know what Donovan does there. But um, 
one of the owners of the company. So it's owned by three brothers and it's a third generation owned company. Um, one of the brothers is, is really good buddies with, with Donovan. Donovan's trained him from not knowing how to hold a gun to being a really good shooter. And so I, I've met, uh, I met Ricky a bunch of times at, at classes. So, you know, we told Donovan, Hey, we have time on Friday. We have the whole day open really. So, um, we, we'd love to come and see the place. So he says, yeah, come on over. We'll get lunch and, and, and give you the tour. So what I knew about this place is that it's a, it is a uh, electronics and appliance store. So in my head, I'm envisioning like a Best Buy mixed with HH Greg type of, of, of deal. <clears throat> um, that is an understatement. That is... So you, you walk into this building, which is a massive building, but you can't even really tell how big it is from looking at the front. You walk in and there's this really beautiful like electronics and appliance store. Like to your right is speakers and headphones and um, all sorts of like home electronics stuff. And then to your left is, is a bunch of appliances, everything from washers, dryers, microwaves, you, you name it on, on your left. And then you look straight ahead <clears throat> and it looks like you're walking out to a courtyard of a mall. So in my head, I'm like, oh, they're attached to a mall. No, no. They basically have built a mall onto the backside of this electronics store. There's, there's a fountain, um, which like, I thought it was a Caesar's palace. There's this fountain in the middle of it. And actually Ricky said that his dad used to love to go to Vegas so a lot of what's there is modeled after after Vegas, which you know he nailed because that was the first thing I thought. I thought I was I was in Vegas, um, and you know how like most electronic stores, if they say hey we should start selling watches, they might put up like a table or a kiosk or something with watches on it. But them, <clears throat> you know, so they have this fountain in the middle, and you know, picture the courtyard of like of a casino in vegas or or at, at, at very least a mall and there's stores the whole way around the the courtyard so they have like a watch store with somebody that manages the watch store then they have a high-end kitchen appliance store they have an apple store they have um they have one store that was like that was like pool table. I think it was called the den or something. I had pool tables and like all this high end kind of bar man space stuff. Um, the candy store, which if you followed us on our social media, uh, you watch me and Dusty fill up a bag full of candy in the candy store. We're, we were probably more excited than some of the kids we saw go into the candy store because, because we're children. And, uh, <clears throat> and so it's just, it's just amazing. Oh, and then the second story is um, they, had this, they had this huge space that had 30 custom-built, fully-loaded kitchens in it, like high-end custom kitchens. It was, it was just it was unbelievable. And then you walk through that, and they have, like, mattresses and stuff. They have a whole mattress store up there. Um, it, it, so let's this place is, is just unreal. And they clearly, Oh, so then a couple, like 
more features of the story I want to hit before I kind of go into the, the, a little bit more of what I think you and me should be thinking about as business owners. So um, when you went to the right, you went through the electronic stuff. They have these sound rooms set up with these with these high-end speakers in it. And the one room had, <clears throat> it was a $100,000 set of speakers. Jeez. They were, I mean, they were, I think they were taller than me, wider than me. And it sounded like you were at the concert. I couldn't, it was, it was unbelievable, but they had these sound rooms. So you can, you can close the doors behind you and you can play with different speakers and, and, uh, and change music and stuff. They have a half million dollar in home um, theater set up. So you can go in there, you can sit in these like leather reclining USB powered seats with a massive screen in front of you. And, and there was like, 20 amplifiers powering the speakers in this room and all this stuff so <clears throat> if you wanted to you could go up and say i want that and they had it all they had it all laid out and it was like a half million dollars um and they had a bunch of other rooms with tvs and headphones and all kinds of stuff so and here's the thing that I, I, i've been trying to wrap my wrap my mind around a little bit more is <clears throat> they 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 clearly <clears throat> were willing to roll money back into the company, which we all know that we, that we should do. But there were things that they rolled back into the company that, that I'm thinking they aren't making money off of that. That is, they clearly did this because they wanted to just improve the customer experience, the employees experience. So for instance, they, they built onto the backside of the building. They have a basketball court. <clears throat> you walk through the basketball court, they have a spa with locker rooms, like all marble and granite um, with like a sauna and stuff. Then they have a workout room. Then when I say workout room, think about walking into like a Bally's. It was, it was huge with just about everything that you could, you could need. Um, he said that they have somebody come through there once an hour. And, they, and they've been doing this even before COVID. <clears throat> they have somebody come through once an hour and clean, straighten up. So when you think about just just like I, I'm thinking about what they what they roll into this business, like that whole thing is a massive expense. Now he did say that they get a pretty good discount off their health insurance rates, but I can't imagine that the discounts they get, you know, pay for that type of of space and. And uh, I mean, they, they basically have a full-time employee just managing, or at least one full-time employee managing all that space, keep things clean, straightened up. And um, so it's just, it was, it was unbelievable to see. I would highly recommend if you know Donovan, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if they want to like start giving everybody a tour, but it sounds like they do it free, fairly frequently. The only place we didn't go out, they didn't go out to is the warehouse. And honestly, I want to go back just to learn how they, they do fulfillment because, because we're kind of going through that right now. Um, like I, I would, I would go and nerd out just learning how they run their warehouse and do fulfillment. Um, but just unbelievable company, unbelievable guys that, that own the company, super generous. Um, they truly care about their employees just as much as their, as their customers. And, um, that was that was honestly probably the highlight of the trip. <laughs> like we went through the shoot, 
and do training, which we haven't done since in six months. We haven't shot a gun in six months and uh, at least. And so to go there and to, and to go through that store was just awesome. And I've, I learned a lot just from walking through there and yeah. So it's just, it's kind of something for us to think about. And if, and, uh, and, and really everybody, like, what can you do? And you know, say, you know, you know, say you don't own your own business, but where you work, is there a way that you can do even just little things to, to improve the workspace for yourself, for your fellow uh, employees, even for your boss, you know, like, yeah. You know, what can you do to serve each other and make the place more fun to enjoyable to go to? So the, the, that's some of the stuff I've been thinking about from, from that. I've always liked, I've always liked the places that you can tell, obviously reinvest in the employees because, you know, when you think of employee happiness, there's, and even just, you know, having a healthy team in general, you can't buy people's happiness with a paycheck. You know, people are willing to do things for money, but that's a piece of the equation but that's one of my desires as we scale. Now, obviously we're very limited with, you know, some stuff is just unobtainable at this uh, phase of our business, obviously. Yeah. I mean, but there's a, we aren't going to be that, able to build a basketball court and, and ballets on the back of our building. So that's just, but you know, thinking of like a gym, that's one of my desires to have in the company that we've talked about a lot is I want to have incentive and the ability for people to be able to be healthier. You know, if there's a way that we can do that through the company, I want to do that. I don't really, you know, I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't really care about the health insurance benefit of it because it's not going to pay for a, you know, $25,000, $30,000 gym or something. But if that gives, if, if the company can do it and it gives employees extra value, I want to do it. Um, yeah. And anything like that, making your workspaces look nice, you know, that matters to me. Organization matters to me you know, quality equipment matters to me. And I know it matters to you too. And I like seeing when companies obviously care about that, you know, those aspects as well, because it does matter. I've worked for places, man, that they just were you know, just cheap and didn't care. And you did the bare minimum and got the bare minimum back. And, you know, the, I just, you don't tend to see a lot of people sticking around places yeah. like that for very long maybe three or four years but not not forever yeah i, I mean you, you want to feel appreciated and there's obviously being compensated fairly for for what you do is is an important part of that but um it's when you go ab above and beyond is is, is really what's going to stand out you know drop a ten dollar gift card out of the blue on your employee's desk or something um you know, do a, we're going to, we're going to do like a quarterly, which I've done things like this before, but I've not had it <clears throat> planned out. Um, but we're going to, but I plan on doing a quarterly employee night out or something. Just go buy everybody dinner, go, <clears throat> go bowling. I don't know. Just, you know, something above and beyond. Um, if you, if you're feeling extra generous, let, you know, tell people that they're, that they're still clocked in, you know, I say, Hey, at, at lunch, we're going to go bowling and, and 
you know, don't worry about clocking out. You just, I don't know, just go above and beyond if you can, you know, and don't put your business in jeopardy over it, but um, it doesn't have to be anything huge. I think people appreciate the little things. So, um, yeah, that's cool. I like seeing other businesses and how they do stuff. Um, it's always helpful. I mean, like I said, every business is different and how we apply different things. It's going to change based on where we're at financially as a business. Um, and, you know, things five years from now are going to look totally different than they do right now, but it's always good to get that uh, little bit of insight through another business. But I also did some traveling this, uh, this last weekend, or I guess it would have been maybe two weekends ago. Uh, I ended up heading out to Ohio to hang out with our buddy, Paul, which that was another, uh, a lot went down. I'm not gonna really talk about it right now on the podcast, but a lot went down in business and some changes. And uh, I just had another weekend where I just felt like getting out so I ended up doing what I always do. And I went up to the cabin and took photos and stuff. Um, headed out, hung out with Paul, shot some photos and videos, but really just kept the day low key. Didn't do anything, anything crazy really at all. Just enjoyed spending some time with Paul because I really only get to see him. I don't know, once or twice a year. I, I really don't see him all that much. Um, but he has a course going on on our range, I think in April. So I'll see him again. Then um, had a lot of time to drive and think in the Jeep, of course. And yeah, <clears throat> those times are always good for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was like that for me and Dusty too. We just, <clears throat> so the, the drive out there, we, what should have been a six and a half hour drive was an eight and a half hour drive. Cause it was a crazy crazy snowstorm we're doing 25 miles an hour on the turnpike for a long time i almost got rear-ended by by four teenagers going sideways down the down the highway and <clears throat> so that took forever but it was good to have you know we had eight hours on the drive there and six and a half on the way back and we every now and then we'd you know we'd, we'd break into conversation that <clears throat> wasn't business related but for the most part that just we like talking business stuff. So um, we covered a lot of stuff over that time. A lot of stuff I'm looking forward to to following through with. One thing that me and Dusty talked about on our drive is marketing this year and the messages that we're using. Um, I, I, I think I, I got a, I posted something and somebody replied to it. And I think they asked for a video deploying the Neomag, which is like 101 type of stuff. You know, I'm like, uh, I just want to tell them, scroll back. There's a billion videos doing it. And I think Dusty's made the comment. He's like, well, like either he's lazy or we're not speaking his language, I think is what he said. And it really just got me thinking. I'm like, which I've already... I've already got it on my mind that uh, that I need to sit down and like schedule out, um, you know, what I post and and I need to schedule in like the educational posts along with 
with the entertainment posts, with funny stuff. I need to get a better handle on on that stuff so that I make sure that I'm that I'm, I'm covering all the bases. But it really just got me thinking more. Like, am I am I speaking the language of people that are following us? Am I speaking the language of of our customers and followers? And I think I want to get your input on this too, because I think what we what we did in 2019 for um, you know for social media posts looks way different than what we did in 2020. And what we need to do in 2021 probably needs to look pretty different than what we did last year. Um, you know, people's uh, spending habits are different. People's priorities on what they spend are different. Uh, and yeah, like, are we, are we in touch with what people want to see? Cause I think you know, just, you know, just for example, you know, right now, ammo prices are ridiculous and 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 it, and even finding ammo is, is ridiculous so pulling out videos that we did in 2019 of like mag dumps and running and gunning and stuff that that stuff may not be as entertaining as what it once was because because it seems out of touch to people they're like i it's 50 60 cents around for nine millimeter as opposed to the 13 it was like a year or two ago. Um, so showing, you know, showing videos of doing that, <clears throat> I don't think really is going to do you any favors. Uh, it, it's yeah. It's not as entertaining as it, as it, as it once was. So I'm, I think we need, well, here, let me ask you, like, what do you think people want to see this year? And do you think it's any different than what we showed last year, or the year before? Yes, I would say in some regards it's different, um, but I don't think that you know I've I've watched enough social media powerhouses in the gun industry to know that you simply making shooting content is not going to be taken poorly. Now, if you're just out there mag dumping, it's going to look reckless, and yeah, you're going to be out of touch with people. So, I think there's a balance to be had. But the one thing that I know for a fact, and this is from our demographic, I don't know how your your customer base and ours compare. I'm assuming there's some crossover, but there are differences. That's one thing I've learned a lot over the last couple of years is every marketing avenue and every company and every brand has just vastly different customers at times. But the people that are buying our targets, because again, we're still seeing a ton of growth this year have a ton of ammo. It just is what it is. They large by and large, the people that we have appealed to since 2015, 2016 are sitting on ammo. So now the question becomes, are they going to shoot the ammo? And that's the part that I don't know. So yeah, I, I would agree. Things are changing. I would say that more people have ammo than what I think they would admit we all stockpiled a ton of ammo. It's just that we don't want to shoot it. So I think there's an aspect that we still need to be putting out entertaining content because we should be encouraging people to shoot. I think that it's easy to say ammo is expensive. So I don't want to train. Now, if you only have 500 rounds, you only have 500 rounds. It is what it is. There's very little you can do, but you still can do a lot. 
with like dry fire and other things like that. The way that I'm looking at this and the way I'm kind of forming and I've been planning content around this is if you look at people, how they handle their personal finances in general, I would say the average person does pretty poor at that. So the same thing can be said with ammo. So look at ammo as a finance thing. How do you budget your ammo? Do people budget their ammo? No, most people don't go to the range and say, I have 100 rounds to spend today. This is what I'm doing. And so one of the things that I have planned to do is to say, all right, so you've got 500 rounds that you have stacked in magazines. Cool. That's your loadout. You've got 500 rounds. What are the odds of you ever needing to use that? Very little, but you've got whatever, you know, 10, 10 magazines, 15 magazines packed. Cool. Keep those in a safe tuck those away. Those are untouchable magazines, untouchable ammunition. So now you've got 500 rounds. What are you going to do with it? Let's budget that ammo. And so there's very few people that are putting out content saying budget your ammo. And here's some really good things you could be doing with that ammo. Even instructors aren't doing that. And honestly, I see a lot of instructors that I don't think are keeping up with how things are changing in the gun industry. So there's a lot of, there's a big void there that could be filled with companies because ultimately during trying times and times that are darker is when we need to be really refined and we need to be continuing to push our skills and we need to be investing in ourselves. Um, the other thing that we've been talking about a lot is ditch the budget rifle collection bullcrap. <laughs> like there's so many people that have so many guns and I think that's changing. Like I truly just the feedback that I've gotten, there's less desire to have tons of guns because people now realize that when things get bad, ammo gets scarce. And now you've got 20 guns. That's awesome. But you only have 600 rounds of ammo. So I think there's an opportunity here in the gun world for us to kind of refine the culture even more. Um, you know, get, get out of the, like, I'm not against collecting guns. I'm, I'm really not. But like, if you come to my house and you look at what I own at my home, it's one AR 15, one pistol. And then my wife has a pistol. Like there are not a lot of guns in my home and I'm weeding out my personal inventory because I would rather have a couple highly refined guns that are set up to run and of course in the company we've got a ton because we do content and stuff like that but so yes i i agree things are changing but i don't think you know the one caution i'm going to throw out is i don't think that we should be discouraging shooting and i don't think that like i think we need to be in still encouraging shooting but now teaching people the best way to use the limited resources that they have um, and i I think if we do that well, it'll help everybody because now you have people, like I said, their personal finance skills alone aren't the greatest in general in our country. So I can only imagine that the same thing applies to the ammunition. And so that's, I don't know, in general, what I'm thinking is teach people how to use the ammunition properly and less wastefully and then people will see that, oh, I've got 2,000 rounds of ammo. I can maintain my skill set with that. 
and I can use that over the next year and not use all of it. But it means less plinking, you know, less going out and just plinking at stuff, which is fun. You know, plinking is fun to just hang out with buddies and have little contests. Oh, can you hit that target at 100 yards with your Glock? But we're just not in the time period where that is a financially feasible thing to be doing. Yeah. So that's a good thought of, of of thinking about what you have in with ammo as a as a budgeted item. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's and that may be different. You know, you you and me kind of have a luxury of that our ammo is is a business expense and um in the past we've been able to just to stuff mags and go and just shoot and just order more ammo because it's it's budgeted into the business so um but for most people you know i've seen i've seen a number of people on social media posts and not just mine but but other things i've read and it's also kind of it's kind of another subject mixed in here which is types of gun owners um but i've seen quite a few comments of, of people saying if this is what the sport's going to cost me now then i'm i'm just going to sell my stuff and i'm going to find something else to do you know f- for a segment of our followers and, and potential customers this is like golf to them like I, I used to golf a lot i really enjoyed it i loved it actually and one screens fees got close to a hundred dollars and I was going to be gone all day. It was, it was a time expense and and financial expense. I was out. Like, I, I really enjoy this, but it's just, it's beyond my grasp of what I want to spend, um, you know, financially and time wise. So I sold all my stuff and just started doing something else. So there's, there, there's a group of people out there who, who are that way. And we could probably make the argument that those people were, were never really going to be our, our customer anyway, especially yours. Oh yeah. I was going to um, say like the, <laughs> yeah, the we, casual, we don't have many of the plank because it's such an investment for a steel target. It, yeah. You know, we, I think that's a luxury for us, honestly. And in, in one regard, my target base that we're reaching largely is kind of more keen on what we're talking about right here. Yeah. But anyway, and I think, you know, when, when we break down, the types of the not necessarily types of people, but the groups of people in our industry, the people that you and me are both going after are probably arguably this one of the smallest groups um, in, in the industry, which uh, which are people who who want to train, who who appreciate uh, defensive training, defensive products. Uh, Firearms are a tool that we don't care if we rattle can and 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 are rough on our stuff because it's it's a tool to us and um, you know we're we're very pro Second Amendment you know those are the those are our people those are our customers so really those are the people that we need to be thinking about how do we speak their language and. Um, and market to those people because the, you know, the weekend warrior, the gun collector, the, you know, um, 
the competition shooter. Well, you could probably get into some of the competition shooter uh, people. We aren't really. Oh, they don't um, like us in general. We 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 kind of lose in that realm. But uh, but yeah, just like I think you have to kind of break down. This goes for anybody with any business that you have. There's there there's probably a large variety of of customer bases within your industry. You know, so figure out what your core people are and then think how do we speak to those people? And that's yeah, yeah, it's just one of the big things I mean Dusty talked about on our trip and we're trying to figure out going forward. Uh, I kind of had to tell myself, you know what, ammo prices suck, but this is our industry and this is what we have to do. So I'm going to be paying four times what I was for ammo. We're not going to be doing crazy running gun drills anymore. Um, we're going to be, we're going to budget what we have a little bit better. And, uh, and actually with you saying that kind of brings up a, like a video series idea for me, which is, see, see, there it goes. Yeah. I'm going to have to, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. That's a, a major plan of mine is to just, and I think all of us should be budget your ammo. But again, I, it, I truly believe it's a foreign concept because when we look at people in general and I'm not putting people down, I'm just saying in general, our society does not often, uh, does not often promote the idea of being frugal and, and planning what you're spending money on. But like I said, man, I, I have so many people that message us every week and say things like, I've, I've got a couple thousand rounds of ammo, but I think I need to make it last the next year, so I'm scared to shoot it. And it's like, like one of the flaws of the gun industry, and I understand it from the prepper mindset. Like, I understand that we want to be prepared. We, we want to be capable of defending our home. At what point did that mean stockpiling 10,000 rounds of ammo? And at what point... Like, you know what I'm saying? If you could, if you have enough ammunition to stack 10 magazines, you've got a, a chest rig of some sort with three mags on it. You've got a belt with one mag. You've got a rifle with another mag and you've got a backpack with five more magazines in it. You've got a loadout and you can afford to create a game plan. Then if you have more ammo than that, to use some of it to further your goals, because ultimately if we're not training, we're not, expanding our capabilities and kind of you know listening to what you were saying and I, I wholeheartedly agree this is where and maybe i'm just naive but i feel like at least with ta and with where i'm at what i desire to do is to help change culture because we know that there's millions and millions and millions of gun owners out there that largely will purchase a handgun they will throw it in a purse, throw it in their safe, you know, maybe buy two boxes of carry ammo for it that came with the gun and really not shoot it. And so then the question becomes, how do you get those people addicted to going out and training? And yes, it's going to be very hard to win them into that at this phase. But the reason why I like continuing to push like the YouTube content and all of this other stuff is those videos exist and they're searchable. And I think that we can impact people in our community 
and we may not see the payback from that now. It may take three years. But during that three, you know, if, if ammo stays ridiculously high for the next two years, what can we be doing in those two years so that our brand and our message is stuck into every single person's head so that when ammo does drop, they're saying, oh, I got all this cool info from this person. I want to go support them or vice versa, whatever. Yeah, that, those are the things that I'm thinking of is can I provide free value to people now that furthers our message for our current customer base, but possibly reaches other people and pulls them in and starts getting them to say, okay, so this gun thing is more than I want to collect a gun, which again, I'm not putting down gun collectors, but at the end of the day, who's going to move the needle forward with the gun culture in the United States? Who's going to make it more acceptable? Who's going to make it so that people understand their rights? And it's not going to be the guy that just collects guns because they're cool and sticks them in a safe. We're going to make headway when we start changing the culture and getting people to understand that this thing is about preserving life and your rights. And it's okay to go out and just have fun. It's okay to go plink. It's okay to, in, you know, shoot shotguns and go bird hunting and hunting's an aspect of this and, you know, the traditions an aspect of it, but at the core of it, there's a lot more to it than just, Hey, this is fun. Um, and I know a lot of people are just at that point where it's like, Hey, this is fun. I think 2020 brought a lot of people that are saying, okay, I'm kind of scared of where this world is going. And I'd like to take it a little bit more seriously. So now we take them from that step. How do we get them from there to now saying, okay, I'm, I'm now part of a lifestyle and that's, that's hard and that's work. And it's very difficult because of ammo prices and, uh, and the resources needed to do it. But I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like if from Neomag, you guys are talking about budgeting ammo wisely. Number one, we're giving people a lesson on personal finance, which I think a lot of people need, but then we're also giving people a message on game planning. But then if TA is resonating that same message or something very similar, now we're, we have two different outlets hitting people. And then if the other powerhouses are saying, cool, what can you do with 500 rounds? Like we all can come up with different ideas of how to take 500 rounds and get six months of training out of it. And it's, it's very difficult, but that's doable. I think, you know, we need to, it's getting a little more into the weeds in our, in our, in, in our world, but you know, there's, there's dry fire drills and we, and I think people are doing more dry fire than ever. But um, when you mix in dry fire with live fire drills on the range, suddenly you can get, 500 trigger pulls and only shoot 100 rounds pretty easily <clears throat> and there's still training value to doing that so um showing that sort of thing again i think it's, it's kind of where i'm going with all this is like what language do we need to be speaking to our core customers which is go and train budget your ammo dry fire um and better yourself like those those are all things that our customers want to hear so <clears throat> let's show them that you know yeah at the, at the end of the day like we prepare for a worst case scenario with firearms we want to be trained as best as we can 
And for most of us, that day would never come. You know, we'd, we won't need to use our firearms defensively. It's a, a right and a, a luxury that we have um, in this nation. But, you know, training for a bad situation, it, you, know, you don't have the luxury of, of saying, oh, it's expensive. So, no, I can't do anything. Maybe you can't shoot a live round, but you have to be doing something to be able to further uh, your skill set. You know, bad situations aren't going to wait until ammo prices come back down. So, I don't know. I, I think, I think we're on the same page there. I think that it's important to, um, to be speaking the proper language, and then also continuing to do things that get people excited to shoot. There's a, there's a fine line there where I think there still has to be entertaining and thoughtful content and you know i think there's a lot of people that still do want to see shooting because they'll live vicariously through right the other content you know looking back to the golden days but if you're using that kind of content then to encourage a more thought thoughtful training process i think that's wise as well so it's just yeah it's just a little bit of a tweak to the message versus last year um, i think a lot of us took for granted 2020 i know i did um yeah <clears throat> i should have bought way more ammo yeah and i'm looking at it again you and mm -hmm. i have the luxury to look at this from a business aspect but at the same time it's like ammo is four times the cost my budget for ammo now goes a quarter of the way so even me yeah. in my seat do we have a lot of ammo on hand sure i don't have a ton, like i have very little nine millimeter that's what sucks the most but even I have been budgeting. And when John and I were on the range, I was probably only shooting a hundred rounds to 200 rounds. And on that range day, we would get five to six pieces of content that we would use over the next two weeks. Yep. And a lot of that was personality driven. It was the culture of the company. It was information data driven. Um, so if you're in the seat of a business and maybe your product relies on ammo, like my, my product is the perfect example of probably the worst case scenario for an ammo crisis. You literally need ammunition to use the product that we create and sell. So if you're in a seat like mine and you have a product that is similar and requires ammunition and you're seeing a decline in sales or traction or something like that, I think this is the moment to start speaking and helping to further the, the culture, the mindset and get people on the right course. And again, that may not mean that you all of a sudden pick up sales again and things are all hunky dory. Like we're going to have to get creative this year um, and help create solutions too. But I think the payback comes because now we're going to have people's attention for longer. We're going to have them absorbed into our, our customer groups. But I also don't have a degree in any of this, so. <clears throat> Nor should you. Take it for what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's, that's good stuff, man. There's a lot of good stuff to think about there. And hopefully um, there's people listening that, that there's some value you can pull out of here, even if it doesn't directly apply to you, but um that there's that there's application here for you and whatever you do and uh yeah 
Yeah, that's uh, that's always stuff to think about. But you know, this year, although it's a weird year, and it, there's a lot of uncertainty, we're still making big moves in in my company. I know you are too, and I don't know. Like, I think there's a tendency that things like this, you know, years like this happen, and then we get kind of tempted to just hole up and and hide and and honestly, I I don't know. For us expanding our capabilities and making a couple power moves this year is on my radar. Now we'll see how the the year goes, but one of the things we've been talking about a lot is land acquisition. And Ethan and I have been looking at a 200 and it's almost 240 acres, about 40 minutes from where we're at right now. Um, And I just, I, I see on the horizon, we're going to get out of this ammo crisis. It could take two years. It could take three years. I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be a while. Like you are going to see ammo come back, but it's going to take years for the prices to come back down. And so again, that's part of why I think the message of budgeting your ammo is so important because it's yes, you will be able to, at some point, probably in the next year and a half, two years, order a thousand, 2000, 3000, 4,000 rounds, but it's going to be very expensive. But I, you know, I, I just, I don't think it's justification to hole up and not continue to try to find ways to grow in your business. Um, but you know, we also have some creative ideas that, uh, people will hear about more. And as I get a little closer to launch time, we'll actually dive into that and kind of the whys behind it, but we'll save that for another podcast but some big, some big things coming with some products. Nice. Yeah. We're working on the same thing. Continuing to, we, we uh, <clears throat> actually at the class that me and Dusty went to, we were R and D one of our, our new products all week, all weekend. And it went really well. So which is exciting. So now we're just kind of, I'm working on some final, <clears throat> I'm hoping it's some final, like, um, you know, tolerance checks and there's a couple little internal things I got to figure out how to, how to get it to work the way I want it to work in production stuff. So we made some making moves on our new products. It's a it's kind of a slow process, but yeah, we're, we're getting there. Dude, I, last year, new products were not my top priority, except nope. at the beginning before, you know, pre COVID. Yes. Yeah. We were working on a ton of different things and then everything got shelved. Uh, just because of uncertainty, but the last couple of weeks, man, I've been cranking through some of these new products and Ethan and I have been spending a lot of time together figuring them out. And <laughs> I listed out all the products that we have coming and it was a little bit depressing because like, I didn't realize how many products we actually had on the back burner until I wrote them out and all the little tweaks. And some of these are just like modifications to other products but we have in process now at this point, 12 different projects that are product related. Most of them steel target related. Some are just tweaks to existing systems. Like I said, some are completely brand new systems that nobody's even seen us talking about. And there's a couple there that have never even been in the industry. So there's, you know, I have a little apprehension about them, but uh, we'll see how they do. And then products that branch out of the gun industry altogether 
um, that's what I'm like, I can't explain to you how excited I am for some of these products. You know, my heart lies in the gun industry, but there's a lot of people outside of the gun industry that, you know, don't know that this exists per se, but they still have guns. They still camp and they do other stuff and they go off roading. And, you know, I, I see, I see opportunity with capabilities that we have to branch out and then possibly get some other people interested in freedom and firearm ownership and, and training. So we'll see. I, I, I will update people with more Intel and information as we get to launch time for some of this stuff. I don't want to ruin the surprise though. Yeah. I'm excited. I don't think I know anything about it either. So, well, I didn't know about some of this stuff until the last two weeks when we were sitting and saying, what's in, what are needs? What are these needs that we see? What can we do with our company to continue to offer, you know, value to other people? So like, I'll touch on this. Okay. So I, I've been spending a lot of time thinking, and this is the last thing I'll dive into. I broke down seven categories for TA targets. And I think some of these will resonate with you, Greg, but this will give people a little bit of an idea of why I think we're going to branch into some other products. So the number one category that we have is the high quality steel targets. Obviously that's the foundation of our company and that is training and equipment. The number two thing that I think TA targets needs to offer value to people is free information and free tools and learning. So that is simply giving people value. So they buy into our, our community, they buy into our company. The number third thing that I look at is culture. And that would be everything surrounding the mindset of freedom, loving people, which would be outdoors, you know, camping, spending time with family, things like that. Uh, number four would be self-reliance and security. And so that would be equipment and tools around the firearms themselves. Um, number five, I can't talk about because that's a very, that is a, okay. So like I'm talking about power moves, category number five is a power move that I'm not going to go into. Number six is mobility and vehicles. And that's something that I feel like a well-rounded individual is mobile and has a plan to get out of a situation um, that may not require a firearm. It may just simply be two feet of snow like we had the other week. Um, and then the last one is my, our faith, religion, and core values. And so kind of tying all that into the company culture. So like when I laid that roadmap out, product ideas went boom. And I was like, oh crap, I could fill this, this category with this thing. And like, it's small and it's like, does it change someone's life? Maybe not, but you know, it definitely could help in that category. And I, we have the capabilities now to do some stuff in the mobility realm. So like, why not tie that in? So I don't know, there's some exciting stuff going on and I, I see on the horizon an expansion happening. Um, maybe not a physical expansion, but just in the, in the realm of what TA targets is capable of. Um, I don't know. Get excited. <clears throat> yeah, that's good stuff to do. Me and Dusty did a similar meeting earlier this year, just um, <clears throat> where we see 
other areas that we see our business being able to offer products and value to. And once we did that, it was similar. Like we're like, Oh man, <clears throat> yeah. If we go down this road, <laughs> here's something we go down that road, here's something. And, and frankly, that, that, that that's, that's something that I took from our conversation with, with Phil from Ted is um, when he was talking about, you know, yeah, they do clothing and they started off like very tactical clothing <clears throat> and they had this plan, this vision of a much more than that. And, um, and it's all still kind of clothing gear related, but there's this, but, but when you open yourself up to outside of this, this one lane, then, then yeah, like those ideas start becoming easy of, of product ideas or other areas to go, go down. So and some of this stuff. is like not reinventing the wheel either. Like that's one thing that, yeah, I, a lot of people here, I'm sure follow uh, the T-Rex crew. And I know that's, they can be sometimes polarizing to certain people, but one of the things that you'll notice is offering solutions that aren't necessarily reinventing the wheel, but filling a void. And I think there's also a responsibility for other companies. If we have the capability and we have our own twist and thought processes for things to find those voids where other companies either don't care about the customer, they don't prioritize the customer, they have bad systems in place where they don't have inventory or they ship super slow, they'd wait 12 weeks to ship products to people and we can fill those voids in. And it's the same thing with every other branch that I just threw out there. There's lots of different aspects um, I see ads for stuff all the time where they're like pre-order this for, and it's a 12 week lead time. When you read the fine print, it's like, man, we just have the ability to reach our customer base and kind of filter out into some of the other elements of these customer bases. Um, my fear is I don't like shotgunning stuff. I don't like just saying, Oh, throw a product at that and see if it sticks. So right out of these dozen products that we have here, there's a very distinct possibility that some of them get thrown out, but you know, you have to start and you have to explore. I'll end up sending some of these products to some of my friends and, and saying, you know, saying, what do you think? Is this viable? What, you know, this is the price point. How, how would you feel about that? Doing some research. Um, but I'll, I'll reach out to you, Greg, too, when we get to that point, because there's a couple things here that I think you'll really enjoy. So can't so. wait. Cool. That was right, man. that was cool. That was a good one. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate your support and your time that you've take to listen to us each week. Uh, if you again, if if you like this, if you think there's value here, think of one person that you think might also appreciate this. Share this podcast with them. Leave a review for us. A five star review helps a ton with people being able to to see our podcast. Otherwise, we are invisible. So we appreciate yeah. you guys. You can find my company at theneomag.com. You can find Jared's company at tatargets.com. Oh, that was a good voice. A- Sometimes I can get into my soul and really bring yeah. it up. You know, That was pretty good. Throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we appreciate you guys tuning in. It does mean the world to us. And there are some diehard people out there. Every Friday I see them posting up stories and we're putting them in the ta story tagging forging the journey uh 
and I, I truly appreciate that because those people are the ones that message us and say, hey, this is actually pretty legit info. It's helping me out with my business. It's helping me out with my journey. And you don't have to be a business owner to enjoy this podcast, although I think that it'll probably help. But if you like the brands, you like Neomag, you like TA, you know, this is a little bit of a pull back the curtain and you get to see some of the thought process. So if there's somebody you know that has our products or follows our pages or has talked about us, maybe they don't know about Forging the Journey, like Greg said, please, please, please just send them a message and say, hey, check out this podcast. We would truly appreciate that. Yeah, we got <clears throat> three more episodes till we hit episode 100. I feel like maybe we should do something... We should do a giveaway or something cool for that. And we should promote it on our social pages before we drop the episode. It's a good idea. Yeah, you got to put that on my task board. I'm going to put it into my hourly schedule. Podcast giveaway. It's on my task board. It's a thing now. I will touch base with you, Greg. We'll get the details together and figure out the best way to do that. But... I think that it'll have to be announced on the podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll get you guys all filled in. We appreciate you. We'll catch you up, catch up with you in the next episode. See you next week. Toodles.